Let us read responsively our litany of invitation and confession. We come to worship after a week of many woes, but also much wonder. We come seeking the strength of God. We come to worship bringing our questions. We come yearning to rest in the eternal love of God. We come to worship in need of hope. We come in gratitude for the people that care about us and for God who watches over us. We also come confessing our sins. We ask for God's forgiveness and grace and a renewed hope. We pause for a moment of silent confession. Sisters and brothers, God has welcomed us. God has embraced us with abundant love and forgiveness. All who come to Christ are made whole. Let us lift our voices in praise to God. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. As we gather as God's people on this beautiful day, we attend to the presence of God among us and the presence of God we experience with those who have come to share and worship. So welcome, especially if you are a guest today. Know that we're glad that you're here. There is on the edge of your order of service a welcome card. If you'd take a moment to complete that, drop it in the offering plate, Uh, When it's passed, it'll help me connect name and face with you. Also, if um, any of you have a prayer request, place that on the card as well. It's an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you every week by name and by need. I will be doing the children's sermon today, the time with the children, and we're not going to sit here. We're going to go on a field trip. And so you'll meet me and meet Daniel right here. And off we'll go, but we'll stay in the room. But I just wanted to give you a heads up about that. Daniel will be preaching today. And in this world uh, where the word great is used a lot, it is a time to see how Jesus uses it and confronts the disciples about how addicted they were to it. We listen with open hearts and we listen with open ears. We bring into this place the swirl of the world around us, not to be sequestered, which is apart from, but to be sanctuaried, which is to be among. We bring these cares and we bring them in prayer to God. Welcome to worship. 
Let us hear now the first lesson. The psalmist contrasts the life of a person who lives his or her life with an awareness of God's presence and invitation in contrast to that of a person who lives a life disconnected from God, the source of true life. A reading from a psalm. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all they do, they prosper. But the wicked are not so. They are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Here ends the first lesson. And now let's say our prayers. God of grace and God of growing, God of love and of longing, we pause and give thanks on this early day in autumn. Some colorful fall leaves already know it. The sun, as it has crossed the equator this week, knows it. But Atlanta does not yet know it, and certainly the temperatures that we have. But yet, we believe that cooler days are ahead, and we are willing to wait. Our hearts still ache and will for a long time because of the floodwaters left by Hurricane Florence, the death of millions of animals and their remains, the erasing of homes, the loss of equity, the passing of a future that is now underwater. In those parts of North Carolina, it is apocalypse now. So Lord have mercy, and Christ have mercy. Seemingly, a flood has polluted how we see ourselves as Americans as well. But we thank you, O God, that you love us anyway. Even as we slip and slide on our invented continuum of morals, even when we transgress gladly the edges of ethics, of the terrible cul-de-sac of how we treat families that are already living on the edge in the name of security. Like the psalmists, we do a holy thing and we pray our fear. For fear seems to have been a tractor beam that's taken hold on our souls. Like the psalmist who wailed and wondered, who complained and called out, who trusted in you, O God, for heaven's sake, and in their next breath said out loudly, Why have you, O God, forsaken me? We risk these contentious words with holy candor, exhausted. We bundle them and our problems wrapped in the strings of prayer. And, O oh God, we beg. We beg for healing, for help, for wholehearted love. 
and we tune our lives to Jesus, who prayed all the time, and who teaches us to pray, just as he taught his disciples long ago by praying boldly, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The second lesson, the wisdom that comes from knowing that external conflict between persons often begins with internal conflict within persons. Thus, the invitation is to draw near to God and seek God's peace. A reading from the letter of James. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For, there, for where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceful, Gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do, you, where do they come from? Do they come from your carvings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it. So you commit murder, and you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not ask because you, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures, adulterers. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is for nothing the scripture says? God yearns jealousy for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives all the more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will free from, flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Here ends the second lesson. All right, boys and girls, meet me down here at the front. And if you have an offering today, Pastor Daniel is going to... Pick up the offering. Now you can stand up. Everybody stand up. 
We're, yeah, we're going to go on a journey. Come on, come on, Jolene. Bring Levon with you if he wants to come. All right, let's see. Y'all ever, you, you ever pre- played following the leader? And you follow and do whatever the leader? Well, we're going to take a little trip, and I'm going to be the leader, and you follow me. And what we're going to talk about is loving people like Jesus loved them and doing kind things for them. And that's what our church does. And some of the pictures of what we've done about serving people and being a good helper are in our windows. Let's take a look. Come follow me, Levon. We're following the leader, the leader, the leader, following the leader. We're walking over here. That's right, we're following the leader, the leader, the leader, following the leader. We're walking right here. So, Joseph, if you'll stand over here, and Levon, if you'll stand exactly where you are (laughs) and look around, what do you see in this window over here? It's about helping people and serving people. Does anybody see anything they recognize? Let's see, what? A globe. There is a globe. That's the world. Uh, We do pray for the world, and we send money to the world to help people that sometimes don't have enough water or don't have enough food, and we help the world all across the world. Who sees something else they recognize? A guitar. Look at that guitar. Do you think that's Kurt Thomas's guitar, Jolene? It looks like Kurt Thomas's guitar. It looks like a Martin, you think? Yeah. Well, it is a guitar, and there is a plate and a fork. There once was a day when our church had a coffee shop downtown where people would pick and grin and play the guitar and eat food. What else do you see that you recognize? A tooth? Look at there. There is a tooth. How many churches you know of that have a tooth in their window? It's kind of rare, isn't it? Well, there, do you remember uh, Miss Louise Davis in our church? Yes. Miss Louise? Well, her husband used to lead medical missions and take doctors and dentists to South America and Honduras. It was called Operation Touch. And so there is this tooth. All right, Van, what do you see? Scissors and tape. These are used in medicine as well, you know, to cut the tape and wrap an arm or if the head is hurting, a bandage there. What does this look like? It looks like an arm doing what? Giving blood. Now, how many churches you know of have a window with, with an arm giving blood? As far as I know, this is the only one. But what this means is, People should be generous even with our blood because there's some people that get sick. Some people have like leukemia. Some people need platelets. And so we want to be generous even with the blood that we have. You guys have spotted a lot of cool stuff. I like this teddy bear here too. That's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. You know, every. Upstairs? Well, all of these things are ways that we are kind to people like at Christmas. We collect uh, toys to give away to boys and girls who don't have many toys, okay? So we want to be helpers like our church has been helpers and like Jesus was helpers, okay? Let's say a prayer and then we'll go on. 
Dear God, thank you for being a helper to us. We want to be helpers to our world. Amen, amen. Thank you. You can go with Miss Mary Lou right now. Jolene. As you know, the psalms were originally sung, not said, so we read the first psalm at the beginning of the service, and we just sang the same text from Psalm 1. And now we pay attention to the gospel. The, gift, the difficult but life-giving road of discipleship, growing in humility and attending to the presence of God among us, a reading from the gospel according to Mark. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying, and they were afraid to ask him. What are you arguing about on the way? they asked as they came to Capernaum, but they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another of who was the greatest. So Jesus sat them down, called the twelve, said to them, whoever wants to be first 
must be last of all and servant of all. And then Jesus took a little child and put it among them. And taking it into his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. They had been arguing, the twelve disciples, about who was the greatest. And Jesus knew they had been arguing. You know, but anybody could tell from the way they looked that they had been in an argument. James and John were probably in a corner, whispering to each other, arms crossed. And Peter had that thousand-yard stare. Perhaps they'd broken up into rival groups. And you'd think that all that following Jesus would have rubbed off more. But the disciples, they they seemed stuck in self-promotion and egoism. And it had not settled well with the Twelve, that when Jesus went up that mountain to be transfigured and blessed by God, that he had not taken every one of them with him. No, he'd only taken three, Peter, James, and John. And then there's the matter of their group name, the Twelve. They didn't do themselves any favors by choosing that name. It made it seem elite, above everybody else. Still Team Six, the Twelve, only the very best need apply. And the Twelve, it comes from Jacob's Twelve Sons, who were always fighting with each other. They, they tried to kill Joseph, the one who told them that he was the greatest. And they would have sold each other out, too, if the tables had turned. The twelve tribes took their land through violence, each wanting to carve up their territory, each wanting to establish who was the greatest. So we shouldn't be surprised that the twelve were arguing. With a number like twelve, perhaps it was doomed from the beginning. Division, delusions of grandeur, maybe some early stages of narcissistic personality disorder. Doesn't this story just leap off the page? I mean, it speaks directly to us. We don't need much history or sociology to get what was going on. They sought greatness. And I think we have plenty of men and women who seek greatness at all costs in our society. From the politics of our time, which increasingly centers on a cult of personality, to the culture of social media, which encourages the careful curation of a story about yourself that is not entirely true, we're all caught up in a game of determining who will be above average. Ours is a culture of the memoir and the oversharing self-disclosure, the culture of selfies and selfie sticks. And many studies show that the more we use social media, the more social isolation we experience. Depression and physical well-being decrease the more we are alone with ourselves online. And the author of a study about this effect of social media says, we want to be cautious when the sound of a voice or a cup of coffee with a friend is replaced with likes on a post. 
And we're fond of blaming this on millennials as if they somehow were the ones who created self-obsession. And if you want to learn about self-obsession, just open the Bible. It's there from the very beginning. It was there from the earliest humans in the garden story. It was there in Cain who wanted to be greater than his brother Abel. It was there in the Tower of Babel when humans wanted to be as great or greater than God. And we have always been arguing about who among us is above average, who's the greatest. But rather than wallow in the sadness that this truth reveals, the gospel good news gives us a way out of that self-regard because Jesus teaches that there is an antidote to the poison of self-obsession. You know, the disciples' problem was that they wanted to be first, and that is our problem too. So Jesus says, well, if you want that, then you have to be last of all. He said you have to be servant of all. And that confused everybody. So he said, look here. And there was a child in the home where they were staying, and he just took the child and put his arms around the child, and he said, whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. The antidote to the poison of self-obsession is humble service and generous welcoming. You know, that's not something that you can learn overnight. It takes practice. So that's why Jesus took a child, to show them an object lesson in how to be welcoming. You've got to understand that there was a different time back then. Children are so elevated in our culture, but they were not in Jesus' time. They didn't have laws protecting children in first century Palestine. Children were the lowest of the low. They didn't have any rights. They didn't have any particularly special purpose or dignity outside the importance of maintaining the family line. A child could be a slave in first century Rome, and there were thousands of child slaves. A child could be sold like a piece of chattel, A child was not necessarily any special source of wisdom or insight back then. A child was marginalized, oppressed, and lowly. And that is why the disciples will later ignore Jesus' lesson that he teaches them right here. And when the children try to come to Jesus, they prevent the children from coming to him. At least they try. Why bother with the lowly? But Jesus tells them to welcome the child in his name, and to do so would be to welcome Jesus and thereby God. I think it would be a mistake to think of this in a a purely literal way. Jesus wasn't saying that the only way to welcome God was to welcome a child. Jesus was pointing to low social status, to utter helplessness, to those without power, and it was in welcoming these that we welcome God. I thought of a familiar image from 1968 that many of you may have seen before. The the year that Dr. King was assassinated, there were two sanitation workers, Echol Cole and Robert Walker. And Mr. Cole and Mr. Walker were working in Memphis, and they were taking a lunch break on the back of their garbage truck, and a switch malfunctioned, and they were crushed to death. And the sanitation company had refused to replace the defective equipment. The sanitation company refused to pay compensation to their families. And so 1,300 workers marched in protest. Many 
carrying that sign, and this is the image that I have seen over and over again. You know what the sign said in that march? It said, I am a man. I am a man. Now, why would they say that? Because they weren't being treated as human beings. Because they were not being recognized as having dignity. Because they were treated as if they were invisible. They weren't trying to argue about who was the greatest. They just wanted a seat at the table. They wanted to be welcomed. And while we're busy handing out awards and honoring and making special distinctions and determining who is the greatest, the Emmys, the Oscars, the Tonys of the spiritual world... Jesus is trying to show us that if we could just welcome the lowliest child in our presence, we would be welcoming God Almighty. I think the whole world would have laughed at that. What an absurd idea that we could encounter God in this lowly creature. What an absurd premise that we could experience the God of the universe in this completely helpless child who can do nothing on his or her own. What a ridiculous belief that we could welcome God, the creator of the stars and the oceans, when we welcome the poor and the miserable. I bet they said that because they didn't get it. They couldn't get it, and neither can we. I was having a nice breakfast in a French cafe once. I think it actually said boulangerie on the outside. I had my cafe au lait and my croissant. I had made sure to practice my French when pronouncing those words because it was important to me that I appeared cultured and sophisticated. And just as I sat down with my breakfast, before I could even take the first bite or the first drink, there outside the bakery window, a homeless man approached. And he was clad in filthy rags. He had a big blanket draped around his shoulders that he dragged up and down that avenue, rain-soaked. The dirt of the urban street had created these dark swirls of filth on the blanket. His hair was matted and unkempt. It was unwashed. He just stood at that entrance and he stared inside. His eyes penetrated the window. He, He just stood there in the cold. And I said to myself, I'm glad I'm not him. And then it hit me right between the eyes. He he might as well have been wearing a sign that said, I am a man. If I could not welcome this man, I could not welcome Jesus. And you know, that croissant started to taste less magnificent. The cafe au lait began to sour in my mouth. Because here was a man on whom I could project all my assumptions and biases about mental illness, poverty, responsibility. Here was a man on whom I could cast all my shallow grievances about society. Here was a man who had been swallowed up by powers and principalities beyond my understanding. Here was a man. And just as I had resolved in my mind to perhaps offer him breakfast when I was done, on my way out, another person strolled up and with no hesitation gestured inside and, and bought him breakfast and went on his way. You see, while I debated and rationalized why I added nuance in sociology, while I speculated and observed, another 
came to serve. My God, that convicted me. Because I've spent too long on this earth trying to protect my little turf. I've spent too long on this earth trying to understand rather than serve. I've spent too long on this earth talking and not actually welcoming. But Jesus came seeking disciples, but instead he got a group of self-aggrandizers. He came seeking those with capacity to welcome, love, and learn, but instead he got human beings doing what human beings do best, argue, divide. And it would take something transcendent, I think, to break that cycle of violence and petty egoism that had plagued the human race. It would take some one divine to show humanity that they could stop living for themselves and start living for God. It would take a helpless baby, a little child, who was completely dependent on others for food and shelter, one born in poverty to a marginalized religious group. It would take an unmarried teenage girl named Mary, who had never had a chance in life, who nobody believed her report that she had become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. The men in the village could have called a hearing and sentenced her to death. She was poor, without connections. It would take a man named Joseph, one who trusted God just enough to bring a helpless child into this dark world. And it would take some uneducated shepherds smelling of the field and livestock who bore witness to the promise of salvation. Just a few, just a very few that we might call a church. And they needed each other to learn what it meant to welcome a child who brought such light a shining light that illuminated all the darkness which preceded it. And I wonder, who else will welcome this child? Who would give up their pretension to power and wealth and self-promotion for the love and peace this child would bring? Would you? Would you welcome this child? Would you welcome the human being who bears God's image, who holds out her hand for a scrap of food? With God's help, we can be a welcoming church. With God's help, we can be a welcoming people. For when we welcome the child of God in our midst, we welcome God. Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation uh, to response and dedication is given. Thank you, Daniel, for the gift of self and sermon. And it occurs to me that as these disciples were following behind Jesus, that they weren't very close to Jesus. It was only after he called them close and spelled out what discipleship is about that they began to get the message. Maybe that's 
my story and our story today. We, we are followers. I'm a follower, but I'm not as close as I'd like to be. Maybe that's the song that we will sing in just a moment. Just a Closer Walk with Thee. It was written by an anonymous woman or man in the spiritual tradition who pours out her heart or his heart of this yearning to follow Christ closely. Our choir is going to lead us on the path for the first stanza. Then we will stand and sing the second and third. Choir.
Well, at this time, we bring our concerns and announcements, uh, and I bring a few of those to you this morning. Uh, First, if you'll look on the back of your order of worship, uh, there's a notice about the anniversary luncheon that has the details you'll need to know. It'll be next Sunday, directly after the worship service, our 66th anniversary celebration. And we'll have a couple of special treats there in addition to the fellowship and food. We'll be uh, watching uh, a video interview um, that Pastor James Lampkin did of President Carter several years ago. And then our very own Kurt Thomas will be singing a new song that he's written called My Church during that time. We look forward to hearing you, Kurt, and celebrating with you. Make your reservations by Thursday, please. Our prayers are, as James mentioned in his prayer, with all those in North Carolina and beyond who are struggling uh, with devastation, families who have lost loved ones, those looking to repair, and those exiled from their homes. Prayers in our own community, uh, an update on Jerry Humphreys, who uh, is at Piedmont Hospital, and James visited with her yesterday, had a good visit, and LaDonna advises that she should be released in a couple of days to be praying for, for Jerry. Prayers for Joel Stouffer and his family as Joel's mother has been moved to hospice. So we pray for their whole family and hold them dear. Our worship continues with the giving of our, our tithes and offerings, and the, the words of the song, the offertory hymn, are written uh, on the bottom of your order of worship. Love bade me welcome. Ralph Vaughn Williams took a, a poem written by George Herbert. Tell us the beauty of welcoming love. Let's worship together. journey if I lack turning 
Our loving God, our songs rise in great diversity and tapestry of how your grace and love bid us welcome. May we learn that you were the first welcomer, and we come at your invitation. May we turn and pass along that inclusive welcome to all the world. May these tithes and offerings be used in doing so, and we give thanks in Christ's name. Amen. And as it is always true, it is often that we see the divine the clearest in the face of one another. Kurt Thomas went by to visit uh, Jerry Humphreys yesterday in the uh, hospital, and as he went, he took along all of his kids, uh, which were four more visitors on the wing. He said Jerry may not have been as clear yesterday in quite recognizing uh, the words and uh, what was said. But at the end, Levon gave her a hug. And I bet she felt embraced by something and someone holy. As you prepare to go, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you. 
the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.